Morning, Full Life family. How you doing this morning? Everybody good? All right. Good to see you this morning. Glad to see you in church. You know, we had a great first service, and I'm, I'm just so looking forward to sharing this with you today. We have just finished a series on generosity, and I felt really led before we start our At The Movie series next week just to talk to you a little bit about what's going on in our world today. And I feel like God's given me uh, something to share with you. I think it's going to be encouraging to you, to give you hope. How many of you know, it can be, if we're not careful, getting kind of anxious lately with all that's going on in the Middle East. And so I want to just take a few minutes today to share with you. But before I do, uh, we're having this Tuesday. You, know, you guys know what this Tuesday is? Everybody know? It's Halloween. Yeah, and some of you give out candy in your neighborhoods. Maybe you're, going, you're doing a block party. And so we, want, we have come up with a resource here for you. To, uh, to share your faith. Now, we've got some gospel tracks that are kid-friendly. They have uh, a little word puzzle, some other things, some fun things for the kids to do. Uh, let me make sure. I don't want to take it for granted. Everybody knows what a gospel track is. Amen? Okay, making sure, because I'm not sure, you know. But anyway, so these are there for you out in the, in the foyer on the table out there so that you can use these on Tuesday night to be, really be light, you know, at a dark time. You know, I, I'm not against celebrating and having, doing trick-or-treat, but it is, a, it is a night that the enemy tries to show some darkness, right? So how, how, how about us be a light in the dark place, amen? And so as you're giving out candy, take a bundle of those, and, you can, and on the back of that is the, the church name. There's a QR code, and so it's going to be a good opportunity for you to share your faith on Halloween, amen? All right, so like I said, we're starting this, we're doing a, a standalone message today. And I felt, like I said, I felt compelled given the, the recent events over the last three weeks. And if you're familiar with what's happened in Israel, um, Hamas on, on, on the Sabbath day went into Israel and attacked. And the, the, the thing about it is, folks, is what's so sad about it is it wasn't really an act of war against the army, armies of Israel. It was actually against women. Uh, children, elderly people. And so really it was an act of terror. And I know that when we hear about this stuff happening, maybe you, like, like me, you have questions about, well, how does this relate to the end times? How does it relate to the promise that Jesus made that he's coming back? How many know he made a promise? He's coming back, amen? And so I got to thinking, well, maybe I need to share with you today some things that I believe will help you have hope in the middle of this uncertainty that we're in. And so I felt like that uh, we could go all the way back to the, the, uh, the, really the, the beginning of the, of the book of the Bible in the book of Genesis and kind of give you some insight. Now, you need to understand something, that everything that, that God is up to, starting with creating the world, creating you and I, always had in mind salvation. Amen. Salvation has always been on the heart of God. And there's always been a plan that he had from the foundation of the world to send Jesus, amen, to, to live a sinless life, to die a cruel death on the cross, and to walk out of the tomb. And so you can rest assured that because God has a plan of salvation, the enemy has a plan as well. How I many you know that? that he, the Bible says that he comes to steal, to kill, and destroy and so when we look at what's going on in the light of, of God's revelation, his prophecy, what the Bible says about what's going to happen, we can have assurance and faith that he's at work. All right? Are you all with me so far? And so what I want to do is I want to talk to you. First of all, I want you to understand something, that 
Salvation has been the goal from the beginning. Now, maybe you say, well, Pastor, what does that have to do with what's going on over there in the Middle East? It has everything to do with that. And what I want to do is I want to start with one of the first stories uh, in the book of Genesis where a man named Abram, you guys know who Abram is? So Abram was uh, uh, the, the guy that God chose and said, hey, I'm going to take you out of your, this comfortable, familiar land that you live in, and I'm going to send you to a land that I promised you. And this idea of Abraham, actually his name was Abram, and God changed his name to Abraham, God made him a promise. And so I want to read that promise to you so you can understand that, that this war that's going on over in the Middle East is not a new war. It's actually a 4,000-year conflict that's been raging for, for all, those, all that time. Okay, So I want to start in Genesis chapter 15. And you can follow along with me. And I want you to see some things as we read this passage. It says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram, Abraham, right, in a vision... And watch what he says. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your great reward. So already you can see God's heart for Abraham. What is it? I wanna, I'm going to be your protector and I'm going to bless you. Y'all see that? And so he continues here making this covenant with, with uh, Abraham. He says, and Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. So Abraham's looking at this in a pretty bleak way, you know, because especially back in the day, if you didn't have children, it really was meant, like, what's wrong? You don't have any kids. And so he's feeling this pressure of not having kids. But watch what God says to him. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood, will be your heir. So again, he's, he's starting to make a promise to him, right? And then he says, he took him outside, and he said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. So this promise is getting better and better, isn't it? So first of all, he makes a promise, you're going to have a kid. You're not going to have to depend on somebody else. Secondly, I'm going to bless you to the point where your descendants are going to be so numerous, they're almost too many to count. And that's becoming true, right? Millions and billions of people on the world to, in the world today. And then watch this. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. This is real important, folks, because you're in the Old Testament, but you see a foreshadow of salvation. How do we believe salvation occurs? By grace, through faith. So what was it that Abraham had? God recognized Abraham's faith. And what did he do as a result? He counted to him as righteous. So we see a foreshadow to salvation through Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news, everybody? And so he also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. And so, folks, God made a promise. He made a promise of three things to Abraham. Number one, he would give him a lineage. Okay? Number two, he would give him a land. He promised them this specific land. And then thirdly, that he would give them a Lord. Now, we recognize that ultimately that promise has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that's the promise has been filled through him? 
He is our Lord. And so when we look at these promises that God made to Abraham, I'll give you a land, I'll give you a lineage, and I'll give you a Lord. Paul recognizes it in Galatians 3 when he says this. Let's read this together. The promises were spoken to Abraham, talking about the covenant, right? To his seed, Scripture does not say and to seeds, meaning many people, but to, and to your seed, which means one person. What's his name? Y'all going to help me preach this morning? Jesus Christ. And so Paul recognizes that this Abrahamic covenant, the, the promise that God made to Abraham, is fully fulfilled through Jesus Christ. So you see, salvation has been a part of this process from the very beginning. And the Abrahamic covenant surrounds itself with this promise that Jesus is coming as a Savior. Amen. Are you glad for that this morning? So, but here's the problem. There's a, another situation where we understand there's another son. Now, before I, I, I talk about that part of the story, you've got to understand something. Satan is aware that God wants to bring salvation to all mankind. And so he's not happy about it. So what does he want to do? He wants to thwart God's plan of salvation. And so we're going to be able to see this unfold, his, this plan that the enemy has. And so the story goes on where Abraham and, and Sarah are getting on up in age. They're like 80-something years old when God gives them this covenant. How many of you would like to have a kid at 80-something years old? No, thank you. Right? And so God's made this promise to him as old. And so he doesn't fulfill the promise right away. And so guess what? Abraham and Sarah get impatient. Anybody ever gotten impatient when God told you he's going to do something for you? Not y'all. Y'all are the most patient people on the planet, aren't you? Me? I'm impatient. And so here's what they were going to do. You know what, God? You're not, you're not doing it on our timetable, so we're going to help you out. Anybody ever tried to do that, help God out? How did it turn out for you? Not good at all. And so Sarah says to Abraham, Hey, Abraham... I'm going to keep this G-rated. Why don't you take Hagar, my, my servant, and y'all have a kid together? What kind of plan is that? Right? And so he says, yeah, okay. They have a, they have a son. His name's, they name him Ishmael. So now you have Sarah who rethinks her decision, and she's not too happy with Hagar. And so she begins to show contempt. And there's tension between Hagar and Sarah. And Sarah even blames Abraham. That same old pointing the finger right at each other. Now, listen. Listen, husbands. Some of the best advice I can give you is listen to your wife. But not all the time. Because sometimes, maybe it's Sarah telling him the wrong decision to make. So, this tension between Hagar and Sarah begins to continue to emerge. Well, now you have Ishmael. But then God says, look, I know you messed up, but I still, have still made this promise to you. I'm going to give you and Sarah, I'm going to give y'all a son. And he's going to be the son of the promise. So they have a son. They're in their 90s. I think, he's, I think Abraham's like 100 years old. With a newborn. Wow, okay. And so 
Isaac's born. So you have the tension between Hagar and Sarah. You have Isaac and Ishmael. And so what you have is you have two wives, two sons, but you only have one covenant. Are y'all with me so far? Are you following this? And then there's tension between the two. And so it gets to the place where Sarah is nagging. Let me rephrase that. She's encouraging (laughs) Abraham to send Hagar away. And he does. And so he sends Hagar away with Ishmael. And God, God, you know, continues to protect Ishmael. But the tension continues to mount. And so what you have is, you have a 4,000-year-old war that you're seeing manifest right now in the Middle East. Because, folks, Satan is a counterfeiter. All right? What God creates and promises, the enemy always comes in and tries to counterfeit. And so this is what's happening here. Isaac and Ishmael become sworn enemies. Now, there's a, there's a prophecy in Genesis 16 that God makes about Ishmael. And I want to read this to you so you can see this. He will be, a, now we're talking about Ishmael and his descendants. He will be a wild donkey of a man. Anybody ever been around a wild donkey? You can't be around them, right? They might kick you or something, kick your teeth out, knock you on the ground. And it says, his hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand will be against him and he will live how? In hostility toward all his brothers. And so here's the prophecy. There's going to be tension throughout history between Isaac and Ishmael. Now you've got to understand, the descendants of Isaac are who? Anybody know? The Jewish people. The descendants of Ishmael, who is his descendants? The Arabs, the Palestinians. So you have a war that's been, a conflict that's been raging since that time. And it's all, listen to me folks, this, this is more than just a physical war. This is a spiritual war that we're seeing bore out in the physical. The enemy wants to thwart God's plan of salvation. He wants to thwart the promise of God in people's lives through Jesus Christ. And so here's what he's trying to do. He's trying to so much, cause so much violence and conflict that he thwarts the, enemy, the, uh, the Lord's plan. And so, folks, as we're watching this, we're seeing this bore out. Now, you need to also understand something. This word, this, if you remember what happened three weeks ago, Hamas, which, by the way, anybody know what the word Hamas means? It means violence. And so, folks, this religion, Islam, is all about violence. Now, 2,000 years beyond Abraham and Isaac and Sarah and all that, there arose a prophet named Muhammad. And Muhammad had a vision from an angel, which, folks, you can infer what you want to. I believe, I believe that wasn't an angel, a holy angel from God. I believe it was a fallen angel. Okay? Giving him 
this supposed revelation that the, the, the covenant promise that God made to Abraham was not going to be fulfilled through Isaac, but through Ishmael. And because of this, you have a religion that's emerged called Islam. And it's not a religion of peace, folks, because here's what they believe. They believe anyone who's not inside this religion is an infidel. And that there is a holy war, they call it jihad, right? Against anybody who's outside the faith, their faith. Now, this is a problem because it's not, folks, this, this happened on the Sabbath where the Israelites, they were, they were on a Sabbath. They didn't have technology. They were caught totally off guard. Their, their targets were women, children, and elderly. Folks, this was an act of terror, not an act of war. Okay? Why? Because we see this all the way through history that this religion is a religion of Hamas. It's a religion of violence. On the other hand, we see Jesus' aim. What's his aim? Well, let me, can, I, can I give you some good news this morning? Jesus came the first time to die on the cross to rise from the dead and conquer sin and death. How many of you know, folks, the, the moment he said it is finished, he defeated Satan. Hey, come on, somebody. Are you glad about that? And how many of you know it's not over because when he returns, there will be a reckoning day where once and for all, Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords, seals the victory. Come on, somebody. Folks, there's hope today because of what Jesus did. Now, when we look at the end times, this is how this relates. You've got to understand that Islam eschatology is... Now, eschatology is the study of things at the end or end times. And so, Islam, they have an eschatology. They, their, their goal is to have as many kids as possible. They'll have numerous kids. They'll infiltrate... They're really... Their goal is to infiltrate every continent, every nation, and have, have a lot of kids, and basically take over how? By sheer numbers. And once they do that, what, what are they going to do? What are they going to do for their kids? They're going to teach their kids. They're going to drill it into them, the, the, the religion of Islam. They're going to train them in the ways of Islam. They're gonna dis in other words, they're going to disciple their kids. Are y'all with me so far? And so what's going to happen is their, their goal is to take over the world and then rule with an iron fist. That's that, how they see this coming about. But on the other hand, you see Jesus. What's our eschatology, folks? What do we believe about how things will end? First of all, the first time Jesus came, he came as a little baby in Bethlehem, didn't he? What did he do? He came... Lived 33 years as a human being. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He calmed the storms. Why did he do all that? Why did he do all that? He wanted to show, I am Emmanuel. Anybody know what Emmanuel means? God with us. And so everything that Jesus did 
was so ultra-intentional to him, for, him to, for us to say and look at Jesus and say, yes, truly he is the Son of God. What did he do? Went to the cross. Stepped out of the tomb. And then when he was ascending back, do you guys know the story there? As he's ascending, two angels come and they say, hey, why, why, are, you look, why are you gazing? This same Jesus who left will return in the same way that he left. What's the promise? I'm coming back. The eschatology is this, folks. You and I are looking forward to that promise where Jesus said, I am coming again soon. Do you see the difference? Now here's even more. There is going to be a, 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 a war. Now the one you're seeing now is not the final war. That conflict is going to continue, folks. I, just, I, have, I hate to share you bad news. It's going to continue until Jesus said enough is enough and says, I'm coming back. All the nations will gather and try to fight. And guess what? I heard it. What would you say? We win. Jesus Christ will seal the victory as King of kings and Lord of lords in a final battle where Satan is defeated and thrown into the lake of fire. Come on, somebody. Is that good news this morning? So I give this to you, not to scare you, but to give you hope. Because our eschatology leads to us seeing with our own eyes the return of Jesus Christ to bring shalom peace across the world. Come on, somebody. That is such good news. Does it encourage anybody else? So when we understand all that's going on in light of two different, remember, two different sons... Right? Two different wives, one covenant. What was the covenant? It was a covenant of, I'm giving you a land. I'm giving you a lineage. And you'll have a Lord. For the Islam, it's Allah. It's not Jesus. But for us, our Lord is Jesus Christ. So all of this, folks, Every bit of this is pointing back to salvation through Christ alone. And if you're in Christ today, you should be encouraged. How, pastor? Every time you read the newspaper, every time you watch whatever news, whatever, and I, I recommend don't watch as much. If you watch it, and truthfully, if you watch 15 minutes of it, you've seen all they're going to share anyway. Seriously, 24 hours of the same old, same old, I'm like, oh, my mind's going to explode. But as you watch the news, as you watch things unfold, there's, a, there's this excitement that comes. It's lining up, folks, with exactly what Christ promised would happen. Folks, we're seeing it right before our eyes. So he's coming back. How many of you believe he's coming back? How many of you are ready to see him come back? So Paul gives us some great advice. 
in, in 1 Thessalonians. There's a lot. The Bible, let me tell you something, folks. The, lot, the Bible has a lot to say about the second coming of Christ. I don't have time to go into all of it, but I will share these passages with you. And I want you to notice how the advice that Paul's giving us of how we as Christians, in light of knowing that Christ's return is imminent, how we should behave, okay? I'm giving you some marching orders. Y'all with me? You ready to lean into this? So watch what he says. You, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come how? Like a thief in the night. In other words, it's going to catch a lot of people off guard. And then he says, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as what? Labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Folks, listen to me. Jesus made the same statement. That in the last days, when you begin to notice these things, he said it's like a woman that's going into labor. And as the labor, as the birth gets closer and closer, what happens to the labor pains? They're more and more intense. Folks, we're seeing it. We're seeing wars and rumors of wars. We're seeing the war in the Middle East. Listen, folks, do you realize that for 2,000 years, since, uh, since the Israelites disobeyed God and God sent them into exile, two different uh, empires conquered them and sent them and just scattered them all over the earth. For 2,000 years, Israel was not a nation. And then in 1948, something miraculous happened. They became a nation again. That's huge. And the very next day, after they were declared a nation, all of these Arabs, Palestinians, descendants of Ishmael, made war with, with Israel. They didn't even have an army. How in the world did they survive? Can I tell you? The sovereignty of God. And folks, so what you see here, folks, is that every bit of biblical prophecy is becoming, there's more and more of it being revealed. So what is our, what are we supposed to do in light of all this? Well, let's keep reading. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness. In other words, you're not going to be caught off guard. So that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. Now watch what he says. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be a what? He says, awake and sober. Awake. Not in a daze. Awake. And then sober. What does the word sober mean? Clear thinking. You're not under the control of anything. You have a focused, clear mind so you can pay attention. And so what he's saying is, keep yourself clear thinking. Make sure you're focused and understand that your posture should be. Now, it's not like every, every single day, every moment, every day. I mean, you got to work and all. But where's, where's your posture? Look. Because what, here's what Jesus said. Your redemption draws near. So what's the, the life of a Christian in this era is I keep looking. I keep thinking. I, I am going to anticipate the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he says, be awake and be sober. And then watch verse 7. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. Verse 8. 
But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. Says it again. And then watch what else he says. Putting on faith and love as a breastplate. Here's a reference to the armor of God. Folks, we need to be clothing ourselves with the armor of God on a daily basis. And then he says, hope of salvation is a helmet. Now listen, remember what he said, what he noticed about Abraham. He noticed that Abraham had faith. And what did he say? He was counted to him as righteousness. Folks, salvation for you is only by grace through faith. You can't work for it. And so when you understand that, that God, God's calling us to not only walk in faith of initial salvation, but our daily life should be a life of trusting Jesus Christ for daily provision. And then he says, and love. Now, when you look at what Jesus taught about love, he said, here's how people are going to know that you're my disciples. How? By the love that we share. Now, I'm not talking about I scratch your back, you scratch my back kind of love. I'm talking about the agape love of God that says I love you no matter how you treat me. Now, you remember the cross. He's up on the cross. He's been beaten beyond recognition. And people are hollering to him, Hey, if you're the Son of God, come down from there. Save yourselves. They're mocking him. They're making fun of him. And what does he say? Even to the ones who are shaking their fists at him, he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Folks, that's the agape love of of God. And so as we're walking through the rest of our days, I believe that God has called us as a church in this last hour to be a shining bright example of what love looks like. Amen. That we, we are walking, we have an opportunity to walk in this love where it, it basically becomes attractive to people who are far from God. Now I know there are some people out there who would say we need to preach hellfire and brimstone. Folks, I'm not sure that fear ever works for that. I believe that if we'll show the love of Christ, if we'll be true disciples, and that we, that people that are far from God see it, it'll attract them. Because here's what, I, here's what the Bible says, they, the, the kindness of God is what leads people to repentance. Did you know that? So your very life lived out in love for your wife, for your husband, for your family, for your neighbors, for your coworkers, will be a testimony in these last days of faith in Jesus Christ. So notice that he says that. He says, put on these things, faith and love. And then he says, salvation as a helmet. Now, I don't know about you. There are times when I know the enemy tries to cause me to doubt whether I'm saved or not. Has anybody ever been there? Or you felt saved this day and unsaved this day and saved and unsaved. and So it's like it's schizophrenia. But how many of you know God doesn't want you to live that way? He wants you to walk in the assurance that Christ paid a high price for you, went to the cross, came out of the tomb so that you could know that you know that you know that you're saved. Amen. How many of you have that assurance? I believe it's possible because of what the Bible says. I can put on salvation as a helmet. Here's how I know this. Because the Bible says this, that he who knew no sin 
Who's that? Who is that? That's Christ became sin for me. In other words, he took my sin on the cross, took the judgment of God on the cross so that I could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Folks, when you say to Jesus, I believe you're the Christ, the Son of the living God, that you bore my sin on the cross and you place your faith, guess what? Things change. You're no longer a slave. You're no longer an enemy. Guess what? You are a friend of God. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, thank God I'm a friend because of what Jesus did. Are you a friend of God this morning? Are you a son or daughter of God this morning? I hope so. And then I love this part, verse 9. It's even more assurance. What does he say? For God did not appoint us to suffer, suffer wrath but to receive salvation through who? Through Jesus Christ. Well, that ought to make some people happy today. Folks, that's why I believe. Now, this is my own personal belief. You don't have to believe this way. Your eschatology may be different. That's why I personally believe that God's going to get us out of here before the tribulation. Because he says, I'm not going to subject you to wrath. Jesus already took the wrath of God on himself at the cross. First John says it. He became a propitiation, which it's a fancy word that means he took my judgment on himself. So I believe. As the promise there says, he's not going to subject me to his wrath. It's already been taken care of. Are you glad for that this morning? If you are, say amen. And so folks, do you see how all of this can bring hope to you today. That yes, things are going on. Yes there's, yes, there's war. Yes, there's conflict. But every bit of it is working the plan of salvation, the promise of God being laid out through the Abrahamic covenant that he had in his mind all along to send Jesus Christ to save mankind. Are you thankful for that this morning? So what's your response today? As you understand the promise, he's coming back. As you understand Paul's advice, stay ready, stay alert, have faith, walk in love, and the assurance that you have of salvation. What's your response? Number one, have faith that God's plan to bring salvation and establish his kingdom will prevail. Is he sovereign, folks? Is he a promise-keeping God? Absolutely he is. He will keep his promises. Number two, understand, we need to pray for Israeli and Palestinian people so they can see Christ for who he is, the Messiah, the one who died for their sins. Because here's the truth. Yes, God chose the children of Israel, but listen, folks, they still need a Savior. So what do we need to be doing? We need to be praying that the enemy... The enemies blinded them to, to Jesus being the Messiah. Those blinders come off and they see him for who he is and they receive the salvation, the same salvation you and I have. Can we pray for that today? Can you pray for that? Will you pray for that? Number three, live alert and sober. Watching. Remember, as we begin, as we continue to see the headlines, those labor pains are growing more and more severe. He's coming back. 
Are you ready? Are you watching? Are you waiting? And then lastly, this is the most important part. Share the gospel. That's why we've been doing this Every Neighborhood Initiative, because you have neighbors, right, who are far from God. You have coworkers who are far from God. We need to be praying, interceding for them, that God would bring them to faith. Amen. Whose responsibility is it, folks? It's not just mine. Are you a follower of Jesus? If you're a follower of Jesus, the responsibility is with you too. And like I said a few minutes ago, what a, a great opportunity for the church of Jesus Christ to be a shining light, an example in a dark world. Thank you for joining us for this week's service. We pray that God has used this moment to greatly impact your life. We invite you to live fully alive in Christ with us here at Full Life Church. We'll see you next week.